6, and we're going to be looking at that, uh, hopefully in some detail this morning, as we look at what Jesus has to say about prayer. And as, as we do it on this rather challenging day, as uh, I met a number of you and you were coming, coming into church rather um, tired and sleep, sleepy, how many actually went to bed a little bit earlier because you knew that, okay, some of you did that, the rest of you are just, you got here, but you're an hour behind your own schedule on that. Is that, in, in some ways, as I was thinking about that right before I came up, you know, Jesus called uh, some of his closest friends and companions to a prayer meeting, and, and you know what they did during his prayer meeting? They, they slept. In fact, they slept repeatedly after he told them not to sleep. So hopefully this morning, you will not fall after the disciples who uh, slept during a prayer meeting or a message uh, that really reflects upon the words of Jesus. But I'd like to begin um, this morning as we talk about, so you want to talk with God, and I'm going to try to put it as simply as I can, but I'm going to throw a few extra details in it, is I want to talk about how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And he did that in the Sermon on the Mount, he did it in a rather lengthy section in terms of what we've looked at so far. But I want to break it down in simply two ways. One is how not to pray, and then see if you can guess the second point, and then the secondly, how to pray. And so we're going to look at, uh, not only from the negative perspective, but we're going to end with a positive perspective. How should we pray and how should we not pray? And we'll look at the how not to pray to begin with. But as I was thinking about that, I, I thought I'd share with you a few prayers that people have. And I remember uh, seeing this one a few, month, a few years ago. But there was a preacher's five-year-old daughter that noticed that her father always paused and bowed his head for a moment before starting his sermon. One day she asked him why. Well, honey, he began proud that his daughter was observant of his messages. I'm asking the Lord to help me preach a good sermon. And she responded back, oh, how come he doesn't do it, she asked. <laughs> and then there was a rabbi who said to his precocious six-year-old boy, so your mother says your prayers for you each night, very commendable. What does she say? The little boy replied, thank God he's in bed. So hopefully this morning you're not wishing you were still in bed, and we're hoping that maybe God will inspire me to, uh, to preach a sermon that will uh, really speak to our hearts. So let's ask him to do that as we look to him in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we do th- uh, uh, thank you that you are in our uh, midst this morning, that as we gather to a place that we uh, dedicate for worship, that it's an opportunity for us to connect with God. And, and Father, really, uh, prayer is an expression of that where we speak to you. There's a variety of ways you speak to us, and primarily it's through your word. And Father, as you speak to us through your word, Father, we want to be more faithful in knowing how to speak to you in a way that honors you, in a way that furthers your kingdom, in a way that brings you glory and honor and draws us closer to you and makes us not only your followers, but makes us more into the image of your Son. Uh, Father, this is a holy moment because we're going to be speaking about that which is so beyond us to think that we could speak to the creator of this universe, the one that made each one of us, that even at the moment that I'm praying, he knows every single thought, not only in our mind now, but what we have been thinking upon this past week and what we're concerned about for the week to come. And Father, that you want us to be people that See prayer as an opportunity to not only bring our needs to you, but to really draw close to you. We are so unworthy even to look at the words of Jesus about prayer, but Father, we pray that you might uh, speak into our lives this day, 
We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. As I was praying, I was going to be one of those short prayers. I tell you, there's only two types of prayers you can pray. One is short prayers, and the other is long prayers. I'm a real deep preacher. Is that, you know, as I was praying about that, you know, prayer is one of those things that so often it is so tempting and easy to talk more about prayer than to actually pray. And so as we do that this morning, I'm going to be talking more about prayer. And I want you to understand it's for the whole purpose is to drive each one of us to pray more. And to pray more in a way that it's not meaningless. That it really has time spent with a living God and not just religious activity. There are people... Um, this wasn't my introduction, but just, <laughs> there are people who will put all of us, I don't care how dedicated you are to prayer, to shame in this world that spend literally hours and hours in a position of talking what, to the, what they think is God, and it's just wasted time. Because simply the passion to talk with a superior or the, the superior being does not mean you're actually talking to him. And this is the backdrop of Jesus in this best sermon ever, speaking to people who I would say pray so much more than any of us have ever prayed. Because that was the discipline of their life. And yet as he looked into their lives, I'm sure he was impressed with some of the activity that they were willing to be involved in, but he, he, he could see that it was all wasted effort. And so this morning, as we look simply at trying to look at how not to pray, then how to pray, I, I'm not sure exactly how much time I'm going to spend at each point. I've got it all laid out, but, but we need to all wrestle with that. Because simply spending time talking with God, or what we think is talking to God, might not go any further than the ceiling we're under, or the clouds that are around us, if we don't really understand how not to pray as well as how to pray. But what is it that God has for us this morning? Jesus turns in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and he, and he begins to tell them how not to pray. And I think the first, we're going to take some very simple ways to hang these truths on. And, and the first principle is don't pray hypocritically. And as we read this first verse, you'll, you'll see very plainly where, where, we, where you get that uh, point to hang on. And, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. What does God not want us to do when we pray unto Him? Uh, pray like we're pretenders or posers. Uh, uh, people that, that represent ourselves one way and, and really that's not who we are. In your bullet points, I put it this way. It, it is presenting yourself to God as someone you're not. And then secondly... It's not about messing up, but it's about not admitting you mess up. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a person who presents himself as one thing, but really is not. And that's what an actor does. 
an actor, in fact, that's what the word hypocrite was used for in, the, in those ancient days, is a person who put a mask on. And in the midst of the play or the drama or whatever it was presented, uh, there might be emotions presented by that who, who is pretending on stage or acting on stage, but that has ne- not necessarily anything to do with what's going on in the actor's heart. What he says does not necessarily reflect what he thinks. What he feels is not particularly what necessarily is in his emotions. But that's what the play portrays him to present. And what Jesus is saying to us very plainly is he was saying to the people of his day, particularly the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those who were very religious, but they had missed it because as they talked with God, it was all for show. Now, for many of us, however, we're intimidated with those kind of words. And therefore, it's, well, if that's the case, I want to be very careful not to talk with God. And I want to throw that out to us as well. Many of us are so fearful about praying. And particularly that's shown when maybe if you were called to pray in public and you're so afraid that you're going to mess up. And you don't want to be like those because you're afraid that you will be doing it for the wrong reasons or you won't say the right things. Or maybe you aren't worthy to pray a prayer in public. That's not the point. None of us are worthy to stand or sit or prostrate ourselves or kneel or whatever it might, physical position you're in to pray to a holy God. A hypocrite is, is not a person who is not quite there yet. A hypocrite is a person who presents himself as being there when he's not or she's not. And and the great way to come to God is is just to admit you're not worthy, that you have messed up, and you desperately need to come to the one who can clean up your mess. And see, they had brought to the point where they wanted to make sure that they prayed in such a way that everybody could see them. In fact, where it says they... They like to pray not only in the synagogue but on the corners of the street. They like to go to the main fairway, <laughs> to a busy intersection, and make their prayers. For most of us, that's not where we're at. But there are times when we, we talk unto God and, and really our heart is not open to Him to, to shine His light in those things that need to change. That's when we're pretending with God. And we do that sometimes in our conversations with people when we're, how are you doing today? And we say, oh, I'm doing fine, you know. And, and sometimes that's just a greeting, but how are you doing really? And at that point, you have to decide, are you going to really unfold what's going on in your life? At that point, you decide, am I going to really communicate with this person? Or am I going to be an actor? And am I going to pretend? And am I going to be a hypocrite? And so what God is saying to you, when you come to me in prayer, you need to be an open book. I already know what's in the book. But, but you need to be an open book so that you can know what needs to be put on those pages from my hand in your life. How not to pray. Don't pray hypocritically. And then he goes on in verse 6 and says this. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And I would put it this way, don't pray superficially. And the idea there is, is, 
is he's looking at their pattern of prayer. They were doing a lot of prayer in which people were watching them pray. And there's nothing wrong with people watching or observe you pray. There's, there's places for pu- public prayer. And, and that's why, in one of the bullet points, I have it very simply this way, it's okay to pray in public. Now, now the reason we know it's all right to pray in public is, guess who prayed in public? Jesus did. Now, if Jesus prayed in public, that's a pretty good example to follow. In John chapter 6, in fact, it was a pretty big public setting. He was about to, to feed the 5,000, and before he did the miracle of feeding the 5,000, he stopped and gave thanks for what God was going to do. And so when we think about prayer, it's not so much about location, how many people are there or not there, but it's a matter of attitude. And when we want to only pray in public for people to see us, then we've missed it. That's the hypocritical part. And it's a superficial prayer because we're really not talking to God. We're talking to the people around us to impress them about our prayer or our spirituality. Really the point I think he's making here, it's it's okay to pray in public. It's not okay to pray in public, put the way I put it in your outline, if you don't pray in private. That's the whole point. If you pray in private, then you are qualified to pray in public. Now, let me me bother all of you this morning. Hopefully, if if I were to just randomly call some of you up here to pray right now, a prayer of praise unto God, or a prayer of thanksgiving, or a prayer of intercession, or a prayer of confession, any one of you would be qualified, because as you or called to pray up here in public, you could say, the reason I've qualified because I have spent time praying in what? Private. You understand the point I'm making? <laughs> we need to get over ourselves where we can't pray in public. Because when we, when we feel that way, that we're really saying, hey, I don't pray in private, so I don't know how to pray. God is not impressed, and we're going to see this in a moment, with our verbiage. He's just looking for our heart. And let me, I told you this many times before, as a professional prayer, when I'm in family gatherings and they're around the table, there's not much question who's going to pray. Well, let's have the preacher pray, all right? I don't usually say that. Let's have Mike pray. I may not, you know, if, if people know what I do for a living in a public setting, I'm usually asked to be the one who prays. And I've been in many settings where I've been with other pastors who pray. And I would much rather hear a person who is not a pastor pray than a person who is a pastor. Because it's so tempting for us when we pray to preach in our prayers. God just wants honest openness from his people to pray. And if you pray in private, you can pray in public. And let me tell you, It speaks in the hearts of people when just people pray. Now, Jesus prayed in public and he also prayed in private. One of my favorite verses, Mark 135, says, Jesus arose up early in the morning while it was still dark. Daylight savings time. Went up into a mountain all alone and prayed. We need to be people who, who spend time with God. And when we are gathered together, it's just an opportunity for us to to share together in prayer. Don't pray superficially. Don't pray hypocritically. And then in verse 7, he says this. 
And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And I guess I'd put it this way, don't pray thoughtlessly. And just putting the two bullet points together, it's not about using fancy words, and it's not about being wordy. There are all kinds of religious people in this world. In fact, everyone is religious. It's just, you know, what is your religion? For some, it's, it's not in a place like this. It's in a stadium. They, they worship sports, or it can be in a vehicle with four wheels. It's the car they drive, or whatever it might be. But beyond that, there are people who are religious in every imaginable way to try to approach God. And we talk about certain fancy words, that's words that, that, that describe things that in, in flowery language, and that's often why we don't want to pray in public, because we're so intimidated by the words other people use. And that's always been the case. But even the whole idea of the vain repetitions, and that can be in the words you use or even your practice, which is just a practice. The Jewish people, they had an interesting uh, discipline, uh, some of them. One of them, had, they had the idea of, of praying in the morning and in the evening, and some would pray the Shema, which is the Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6 passage, four, 4 and 6 passage, as well as some other passages. They would memorize it. In the morning, they would quote it. In the evening, they would quote it. But it's interesting, after a while, they got kind of tired of that, so they had an abbreviated portion of it, kind of the, the Reader's Digest part of it. Just say it really quick. And then they had a, what they call Shema Therer, which was an an 18-specific uh, prayer list that they would go through. And it was very lengthy, and, and in that, after a while, they had an abbreviated portion of that, too, because that got a little old. And then as they began to look at it, they, to break up the 18 prayers, in fact, they would do eight, all 18 prayers at least three times a day, usually in, at 9 o'clock, morning, noon, and night. And these prayers would be recited. But, but you know what happens when you do things in a ritualistic way? After a while, they lose its meaning. Sometimes people ask me, why, why don't we recite the Lord's Prayer, which we'll look at in a moment, regularly on Sunday? Well, I, I, there's nothing against reciting the Lord's Prayer because it's Scripture and we could do it. But what I don't want it to become is, is something in which it's a memorized prayer and we miss the point. The habit became of those Jewish people who would be very faithful in their 18 prayers every single day. It is after a while, um, if you if know some people, they, when they pray, all of a sudden they don't necessarily be very careful about every word. They started to mumble in their prayers. And if they want to get it through quick, they started speaking really, 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 really fast. That's what I would have done. I would just, <laughs> I've gotten through it really quick. And Jesus, as he looked at these prayers, said, you're praying 18 prayers a day, three times a day, but it's all thoughtlessly. The Buddhists, the Buddhists had a prayer wheel. In fact, they do have a prayer wheel. And they would write the prayers on the wheel, and to get the, the prayers up to God, they'd spin that wheel. You know, Every time that wheel spin, that prayer was sent up to heaven. The Muslim people, they, they pray five times a day. And those who are really religious, I mean, it's done in public and it's right shown out and they begin bowing down toward Mecca and they, they send those prayers up to God. Uh, th there are people who move some things in their hands and say those prayers. They're, they're Hail Marys and they're our, our fathers. 
which is the Lord's Prayer there. And they're very committed, and it's very impressive that they're willing to go through that discipline. But it's vain repetition. And then they added some other things into it, too. They begin to have some saints, you know, St. Jude. You know, I was just looking up prayers. St. Jude is, the, is the, the patron saint of hope. And when you need hope, you, you pray to St. Jude. And the Hail Mary, which is the first part of the prayer is out of Luke, but the second part of the prayer is you're asking Mary to pray for your sins. That's not only a repetitious prayer, but it is a useless prayer. The vain is futile. The Virgin Mary can do nothing for your sins. And whether it was the Jewish covenant people of God who corrupted prayer, or whether it's the Roman Catholic Church that has corrupted prayer, or, or, or whether it's, it's people today who often will, 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 and now it's become very popular to observe Lent and give up something for 40 days, and all of a sudden they're really spiritual for 40 days. I mean, just look at New Orleans. The Mardi Gras is right before. I mean, I mean there are people who observe Lent. It has nothing to do with getting close to God. I'm going to throw this in later. Do you know Israel fasted for 70 years when they were exiled? And God said, I'm not impressed with one fast you went through. Because it was vain. It didn't mean anything. It wasn't an expression of their heart. Uh, th there are some people today, I mean, futile words, who, who communicate with God with language they do not know. Now, what, what, is, what is that? If, if prayer is connecting, communicating with God, why would we talk to God in language we do not know? He wants us, us to speak to Him. And, and whether we're mumbling or whether we're speaking so fast, we don't understand what we're saying, or He doesn't understand, you know, He understands what we're saying, which is absolutely nothing. God is not impressed with that. And so Jesus was slamming those who were very religious. But it was so far from him. Well, in the Luke passage, we, we have the disciples coming to Jesus. And, well, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? The only time we know that they pick the subject. Uh, now we, we know our prayer life is not like your prayer life. Can, can you tell us how you connect with God? And so what he does is he, he gives us a, a model prayer, a template for this is how you connect with the living God. Well, let's look at that this morning. I, I didn't mean to make this so heavy, but this is Jesus talking about what's most important, connecting. God speaks to us, but are we really speaking to Him? And when we speak to Him hypocritically, superficially, and thoughtlessly, doesn't matter how much time we spend, we are not talking to Him. We're just involved in empty ritualism. So then He talks about how to pray. He says, Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need before you ask Him. God is... God is not out there kind of surprises all this. He knows what's happening in your heart and life. Prayers for our opportunity to connect with Him. And so He says, In this manner, therefore, pray. 
Now, what I'm going to do to you is I'm just going to give you a, a way to have a handle on this. Some of you are familiar. There's a lot of different ways to try to try to try to make a, a template or a model for to pray the way that that the prayers in the Old Testament and the New Testaments were prayed. Uh, some of you are familiar with acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Well, what I saw this week is I'd look at the the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer that the Lord gave them. Is what what is in essence is He teaching? Um, them and us as far as when we connect with God, what should be involved in our prayer? And I made an acronym, PRAY. How should we pray to God? First of all, with a praise. He goes, in this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, most of the Hebrew that I, that I studied very diligently on in, in seminary, I've, I've lost. I, I, I do try to regularly go through Hebrew, but Hebrew is I mean, unless you're using it, you, you lose it. But one of the ones that I remember, hagiadzo, is, is where hallowed comes from, it, which has the idea of to make holy. So when we say, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, may your name be made holy. We talked about that in, in worship this morning. But really, when we think about that, we need to understand a little bit about what worship is, and even when we make a statement about making God holy, we don't need to make God holy. God is what? Holy. Not only is He holy, He's holy, holy, holy. What we do is we reveal and manifest and lift up His holiness. It's allowing us to see His holiness. Our Father who art in heaven, may I see how holy you are. May I see how much more you are than I am. May I see you in all your purity. May I see you in all uh, your power and might. May I see you as one who is fully gracious. May I see you as the one who is righteous. May I see you as the one who provides everything that I have. May I see you as the one who is the forgiver of my sins. May I see you as the one who, who, who speaks into my lives. May I see you as the one who is always present. May I see you as the one who is always faithful. May I see you as the one who was fully revealed in your son, Jesus. May I see you as the one I desperately need to connect to. May I see you as the one who was and is and who is to come. May I see you as who you are. And so when we pray, it begins with praise. And praise is different than thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is acknowledging the good things God has done for you personally and specifically or to those you know and care about. But praise is focusing on who He is. And coming to grips with the majesty of our God. So as, as Jesus spoke in contrast to the prayers that were hypocritical and superficial and thoughtless, prayer is about knowing who God is. You know, sometimes when we want to see things happen, and, and, and prayer has this dimension into it, you know, we, we go to God and ask God to 
to do what needs to be done as we see needs or concerns. Or, and and when, when God comes through, we, 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 we proclaim prayer works. You know, prayer doesn't work. God works through prayer. And that's the point he was trying to make. A lot of religious activity for the sake of somehow persuading God because you're doing it does not impress God. It's coming to grips with who he is and acknowledging that. That even if God doesn't answer what you have burdens on your heart for him to do, he's still faithful, he's still righteous, he's still holy. He still is the provider. He still is all-knowing. He knows what's best and you can rest in him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, May your name be holy, lifted up, exalted. May I see you in light of who I am. May we come to God in praise. But then he goes on, and I I would put it this way. Prayer is where they praise, and then it's with a renewing of commitment. In light of who God is, is, what am I going to be? And that's when he goes on and says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Essentially, in somebody reading this past week, in the Talmud, instead of, of uh, the rabbis would say a prayer, if, if a prayer does not mention the kingdom of God, it is not a prayer. Now, if, if that is true, I don't think that's necessarily true because there, there are recorded prayers in, in the Old Testament and New Testament where the kingdom is not implanted specifically. For instance, when Peter was walking on the water and he took his eyes off Jesus, began to sink, it wasn't one of those long prayers. It was a short prayer, Lord, save me, all right? That's all it was. And God lifted him out of the water. Jesus lifted him out of the water. And so there are prayers where, which doesn't have to have all as I put here, four components in. But it is significant to me that if my prayer life, I'm not praying about God's kingdom and His will, then my prayer becomes rather shallow and empty. Because our prayer is going to be so much about us. You know, how's God going to fix my world when we ought to be concerned about God fixing His world? That all that is happening on this planet that breaks our hearts. Just think about how it breaks God's heart. You know, all of you who have had children and grandchildren, I mean, when you hear the stories of any child hurt or abused, it, it breaks your heart. But if it's one of your children and one of your grandchildren, it's just amped up. And so when we think of our world, and God's concerned about our world, but think about his world is that we want God's kingdom, His rule, to be done as it is, perfectly in heaven, but to be done here on earth. And it's going to happen, and we ought to look forward to that. But it's good when His King of Kings and His Lord of Lords, Jesus, comes again. We know the end of the story. And we ought to long for that day when when the righteous rule of of God is here on earth. 
And as we think our part in and now, it's, it's when we want His will to be done in our life. You know, I, I believe as you look at it, that the, the kingdom hasn't been inaugurated as Jesus the King was here, but that was His first coming. It's not going to be fully manifest until He comes again. But the, the part that we play is that we as His subjects, subjects of the King, we want His will to be done in our life. And so when we pray, we need to renew our commitment every time we pray. Not just assume, uh, all right, I, I got over that, that Savior bit and that Lordship bit, now I can move on. That Lordship bit is, is an ongoing commitment of saying, God, I want you to rule and to reign in my life. And I want to be more concerned about your kingdom than what's happening in my life. And so when we pray, it's, it begins with a praise, acknowledging who God is, and then it's a, a renewing commitment to His kingdom and to His will to be done in our life. You know, just think about when things happen in your life that you don't like, does anybody ever have that happen to you? Our prayer is we want whatever is not right in our life to be made right. The wrong is happening to us, the circumstances that we don't appreciate, we'd like them to be changed. And it's all right to pray that. I pray that anytime I don't like what's going on. But in front of and behind that prayer is God, but if going through this will bring you better glory, then don't take it from me. See, wasn't that the prayer of Jesus? The Garden of Gethsemane? When the disciples got a little tired, you know, it was daylight savings time. They hadn't gone to bed early. You know, they were, they were tired. didn't quite get the, the magnitude of what Jesus was praying about. Jesus wanted that to be taken from him. Take this cup from me. But ultimately what it was, but if the glory of God will be manifested in a greater way as I go through the cross, then I'll go through the cross. And there are things in our lives that God will not change because He wants you and I to go through it because it will bring Him greater glory and it will give Him greater glory if we understand that earlier rather than later. Because people are more impressed with our faith, not when everything's going right in our life, but when things are going wrong and we still walk with God. So with a renewing of a commitment to his kingdom work and to his will. But then it goes on with an asking, and an asking for physical and spiritual needs. And I've already taken most of our time, so let me go through these a little bit quicker. Uh, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I broke that in two ways. Is one, our physical needs and our spiritual needs. Your daily bread, that's obvious. I mean, we all need to eat. Uh... You know, man should not live by bread alone, but he does need a little bread, right? You know, we need to eat every day, or not every day, at least pretty regularly. Some of us need more bread, and some of us eat more bread than we need to eat, but, uh, but, uh, but you know, we need the physical need. It's not just physical food, it's other needs that we might have. There are physical concerns that we have, and God wants us to go to Him. Sometimes He says, you don't need as much as you think you do. And that's the point we need to wrestle with. We don't, and I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about other things. But we need to recognize that everything that we have comes from Him. 
And that's where James 117, I think it is, where it says that every good thing comes from above. And so often for us who live in a, in a, in a world, particularly America, and even, even the most impoverished person in, the, in America is rich, just immensely rich compared to people in certain parts of this world. I mean, just, it's just mind-boggling compared to what some people live on, compared to every, what everybody here in America lives on. And we've gone through that before. I mean, you know, people have one or two cars, they'll have, they'll have cell phones, they'll have internet, they'll have cable TV, and, and then they're below the poverty, impoverished line. Well, that, that would be silly to people in other flat charts of the world. Now, I, I, that's a whole other sermon. But anyway, is that God wants us to come to Him and pray for our needs, and then when we receive our needs, recognize where did it come from? It came from Him. And for those who have plenty, you know, God blesses. That, there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to write that when we are blessed, it comes from a God who was gracious to us. And so we ought to pray for that. But we ought to be praying for spiritual needs. And that's what I summarize with the idea, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need to spend time praying about those things that drive the concerns of God in a spiritual way. Praying for our ability to love those that don't like us. We talked about that last week. Praying for those who are EGR people, extra grace required people. Praying for for those we hold grudges against, and God, have, give me a forgiving heart. Whatever it might be, we could we could go on and on. God, God, help me have a servant's heart that that washes other people's feet when I think it's their responsibility to wash my feet. Whatever it might be. I, I was reading a prayer by a child, and uh, this is how he expressed kind of forgiving our debts as we forgive those who. Uh, harmed us. One four-year-old prayed, and forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. <laughs> yeah, we got people who put trash in our baskets. And what we need to do is be people who, who pray for those and forgive them for who do that. I was reading about another prayer, and this really speaks about vain and, and, and repetitious praying. And really, whenever you pray and use a word in your prayer that you don't understand, just, just take that out of your prayer. Don't be impressed just because somebody else inserts it. And you say, well, if they pray that word, I'm going to pray that word too. You know, pray for our you know, sanctification and predestination and redemption. I mean, whatever, whatever. If you don't know what those words mean, don't put them in your prayers. Uh, like this prayer. When my, this, he was, this father was talking, when my, when my daughter Kelly was three, she and my son Cody would say their nightly prayers together. As do most children, they blessed every family member, every friend, and every animal, current and past. Remember those prayers? For several weeks after we had finished the nightly prayer, Kelly would say, and all girls. And then she'd be done. As including this at the end soon became part of the, her nightly routine, my curiosity got the best of me, and I asked her, Kelly, why do you always pray the part about all girls? In response, it was because we always finish our prayers by saying all men, so I thought it was only right to say all girls. <laughs> I mean, how many of us spent many, 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 many years closing our prayers with amen, and we thought it meant, well, I'm done, God. <laughs> you know, that's not what it means. You know, it means I really mean what I just prayed. I, I really agree with it. Let this happen according to your will. Or, or really, the simplest way to remember that means truly. 
When you say amen, you say, what I have just prayed, I believe is really truly the expression of my heart and what I hope is truly the expression of what's on your heart. And so when we pray, we need to pray in such a way that is meaningful, that makes sense. And if it's going to transform our lives, we can't just use words. And we ought to be asking God for physical but also spiritual needs. And then finally, I put it this way. Pray prayers with a yearning for purity. Essentially, he throws into his prayer here. He says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. Why did he throw that one in there? In many ways, it's a theological struggle because it do not lead us into temptation. Well, I, think, I didn't ever think God did do that. In fact, in James, it says he doesn't, that God does not lead us into evil. And so how, do, how are we to understand this? Well, I'm not sure I'm going to have the final word on this, but I, I, I do know this. He, he, he doesn't want us to fall into sin. And that is desperately on the heart of God. And so what I, what I really am convinced about this is that he wants us to have that same desire that we don't want to fall into sin. And so the way to not to fall into sin is to ask God for us to not fall into sin. And the way to not fall into sin is that God, don't lead me into anything that's going to mess me up. I want to have that same yearning for purity in my life that you do. In Peter's letter, he said that you ought to be holy as your heavenly Father is, what? Holy. That's a pretty high standard. Now, that's not, again, just be religious. It's talking about, I want to be more like Jesus. I don't want to play with fire, and I want to play with sin. I want to only go down those paths you want me to go down. Now, now God does bring testing in our lives. And, and the difference between a test and a temptation is Satan wants to use what goes on in your life to draw you into sin. And God gives us a test to demonstrate that we don't want to sin. To, to make us stronger rather than weaker. To realize that that was my old life. I now have a new life. And it reinforces that when we say no to things that maybe we said yes to in the past. And now it causes us to trust Him more. How not to pray. Don't pray hypocritically. Don't pray Superficially, don't pray thoughtlessly. How to pray. Pray with praise, acknowledging who God is. Pray, pray always with a renewal of commitment. Might your kingdom come and might your will be done and let it begin first in my life. Might you ask with confidence for those that are in your life that have physical needs and spiritual needs. But again, let it begin with you. You can't expect God to, to cause people to forgive you when you're not willing to forgive them. And then have a yearning for purity or a yearning to be more like Jesus. I don't want to go down those paths 
that will mess me up and maybe by way of example mess other people up because I want to leave, live to your honor and to your glory that people can see you and me. Now, now the section we're not going to look at, I'm, I'm not going to look at, I'm going to resist <laughs> that, that temptation. He talks about fasting after that. But fasting is simply, is doing anything in your life that somehow will, will maybe give you more time or intensity to focus on God. But if you do it, you do it joyfully and you do it humbly. The fasting or refraining from certain activity, it doesn't have to be food, it could be uh, certain activities, whatever it might be, is simply for the purpose of saying, God, I want to have more focus on you. But when you do that, it, it, it usually should never be announced. And, and I'll bring you more joy rather than less joy. And it shouldn't be a ritual. It simply should be being, God, I want to open up my life to spend more time with you. And let me say, he spoke to people who, who, who were doing it and he didn't like it. The, the rabbis, I said I wasn't going to spend much time. I didn't read the passage. That's what I meant by that. The, the rab, they, they, would, they would fast two days a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Every, every week. And they let everybody know it. And it didn't impress God one bit. But if, if it can be brought to a point in your life where you, you stop doing certain things for a while to focus upon Him, and, and, but just don't let anybody else know it, and you go after, go after to spend more time with Him. So we want to talk with God. Well, let's do it. And, but let's do it His way, not our way. And let's do it with a passion of drawing closer to Him. Let's pray. Father, teach us to pray. Pray in a way that draws us close to you and accomplishes your work in this world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm actually going to call an audible here and uh, have, our, have our ushers wait here for a second. Um, you know, what, what better way to, to come off of a, a, a prayer message than to spend time in prayer? Um, I can't. I'm sitting there thinking of all these things we've talked about. I'm like, I can't go right into worship. We've we got to spend some time in prayer. Um, so ushers, actually, go back to your seat. We'll, t- we'll, take, we'll take offering at the very end. Um, but I, what I want you guys to do is, is grab some people around you. Um, you don't have to pray. This is not a, you know, each person has to go around and pray. If, if you're willing to pray, I'd love you guys to pray. We're going to sing some songs. Um, but I want you guys just to grab a couple of people um, and just spend time in prayer. And so some of you guys might have to get out of your seat, might get a little out of your comfort zone. Um, but if we can't pray in this church, we're not going to pray at home. We're not going to pray in public. Um, so let's, let's put what we just heard in practice. So just grab some people around you um, and spend some time in prayer. <clears throat>